What's up, folks? Welcome to another edition of Matt Sports House. I am your host, Matthew Anderson. Brought back on our original analyst, Thomas Hemingway, some Methodist finest, back for a great episode. Yo, I'm so excited for this one. I was telling Thomas, I was like, yo, Saturday while I was watching all this stuff unfold, I said, oh, Thomas is coming on this week. But Thomas, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. I'm, I'm always happy to be back on. For sure, for sure. Before we get into it, Y'all, y'all know, Todd, like I said, Thomas was receiving this year at Methodist, finished up his college career. Me and Thomas go way back from Dent Middle School, talking all the time about sports, borderline getting kicked out the class. And so to see Thomas go from there to play college football has been great to kind of watch and, you know, be a part of this somewhat. Thomas, explain to us what it felt like, man. Oh, well, you know, me and you just got kind of talking. I mean, got done talking, uh, you know, off camera a little bit about it, but um, you know, I was telling Matt it didn't really hit me until he hit me up after the game just saying, you know, like, congratulations, you know, you kind of, like, accomplished, you know, everything you was working for. That's when it kind of hit me just thinking back to all the days you used to be at USC's campus working out, you know, tossing the ball around. Just, it was like a lot of what-if conversations, you know, like, what if we were playing college ball, all that, you know, just just hoping to get there one day. So just, just being able to, to, to go through this whole process of, you know, First, trying to get, you know, trying to find the school I would fit in that, you know, be able to play ball, actually getting there, you know, getting used to the program, the coaches, you know, teammates, all that, just to, to go through all that and and be able to look at it back at the end and just, you know, say you accomplished something, you were, you were working at it for a while. It's just, it's, it's a real good feeling. So, that, boy, yeah, Thomas, that. that boy Thomas saw it, thought about it, and achieved it. So you love to see it. For sure. Uh, and yeah, in case for, I guess, for like some background knowledge, y'all, when the pandemic first took off, Thomas came back from Fayetteville, and I and I was like, Thomas, let's get to work. And me and Thomas must have worked for seven months straight, every, not every single morning, but every other morning. So it's great to see that boy Hemway had him some catches this season. Uh, hey, what that man Drake said, 360 on front, it all comes full circle. So you, <laughs> <laughs> so you love to see it, but... Uh, Obviously, wish him more, most success as he continues throughout his life. Uh, and without further ado, welcome to this week's episode of The Sports House. Open up the champagne, pop. It's my house, come on, turn it up. Uh. Hear a knock on the door and the night begins. Because we've done this before, so you come on in. Make yourself at my home, tell me where you been Pour yourself something cold, baby, cheers to this Sometimes you gotta stay in And you know where I live Yeah, you know what we is Sometimes you gotta stay in Alright, Thomas, let's go ahead and jump into it For the listeners out there, I want y'all to picture we are back at Dent Middle School. It is a Monday morning. The teacher has told me and Thomas to stop talking about football at least four to five times at this point, Miss Johnson. <laughs> so, so at this point, she's mad. All we're missing is Hunter. But Thomas, Clemson versus South Carolina. Were you expelled? Okay, I guess I should say uh, Clemson won the final score of 30 to nothing in case you've been living under a rock. Uh, Thomas, were you expecting that type of win from Clemson or did you think Carolina was going to come in and bring a little bit more to the table? Man, man. First of all, let me start by saying I'm I'm hurt. I thought uh, I thought you know at, at this point you know when you go to college and, and you know growing up a USC fan when you actually go to college you don't end up going to the school you've been you know cheering for your whole life you do kind of lose a little bit of you know 
I guess, fandom for, for that team or whatever. So I was thinking, you know, okay, I'm going to watch this USC game, this Clemson game this year, you know, just like as a casual fan, just trying to get some good football. But, man, man, as that game went on, it's like my, my passengers came back in, man. I was hurting that whole game. But to answer your question, honestly, no, I, I didn't expect that kind of win from Clemson just because of the uh, – the kind of year they've been having um, up until this point, we know it's been a down year for them. And especially, um, I was thinking just more so because of how bad they've been struggling all year on the offensive side. Um, and, you know, coming into a rivalry game at uh, Carolina, you know, I, I saw not really a stat, but just um, saying that, that Clemson hadn't played really like a true, um, played in a true road environment in like the past two seasons, I think. The crowd at Williams Rice was the first one over sixty thousand that they played in like the past two seasons or something like that. Um, so I thought Carolina would put up a, a lot better of a fight, you know, senior night, last home game or rivalry opponent. Um, I definitely expect the the game to go like that. Um, but you did kind of have the idea in the back of your head that like if Clemson came out, um, you know, focused locked in you know, looking just even like a shell of the old Clemson teams that we had known that it was going to be, you know, this kind of night. But like I said, I myself didn't expect it. You know, I can't speak for everybody else, but yeah, it, it definitely was a disappointing night. Yeah, so I was sitting there watching it, and I saw the hype this week. I saw the players being like, it's my senior night, so fans, y'all better be out there. And I seen the video of the, like, you know, the Gamecock walk, and it was exciting. And my biggest fear was that it was too much excitement. It's like there weren't as much concern about the X's and O's, but it was just yeah. like about the hype and stuff. And then so to not score any points, it just is like an ouch. And Beamer said it coming out of halftime. He was like, I think our guys were too excited. And I was like, yeah, it kind of appeared as so. Clemson came out, and I thought they were going to run the ball because it seems like South Carolina, the, the Achilles heel this season has been the uh, whenever teams run the ball on them. And I think even said last, I even said last week, I, I knew this game was going to be one in the trenches because Clemson had uh, their two running backs, Will Shipley and Kobe Pryor, had both had decent seasons when they hadn't been injured. So I was like, okay, so we're going to get this South Carolina defensive line, front seven, if you will, versus this Clemson offensive line. And I want everybody to remember, these Clemson guys are highly recruited cats. Like, these guys ain't just the guy. These guys saw the South Carolina offense, and I ain't going there. Are you crazy? I'm going to Georgia. Yeah. I'm going to Clemson. And they just – and that Clemson offensive line just got to push Will Shipley, who was, once again, because whenever he was running kind of crazy, a lot of people who I was hanging out with when I – they're like my family or whatever. They're like, oh, how are they letting him run? I'm like, well, Shipley was one of the top running backs coming out of the country this past season. That's out of the yeah. state of North Carolina. But he had 19 carries for 128 yards and one touchdown. DJ only went nine for 19, but it was enough. You know what I'm saying? It was enough. And Jason Brown, I don't know if you noticed this, but every time Jason Brown ends up dropping back, he ends up like 15 yards behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I I saw. Oh, my bad. Not to cut you off. I was about to say, I just saw something uh, before the game where he was talking about how it's kind of his instinct to, to do that little spin outside of the pocket whenever he gets his pressure on him. So you know, number one, he's in the shotgun. Then he's getting the ball, taking the drop back, three step, five, you know, five step, whatever it is. And then you spinning out of that. So yeah, that's yeah. That's, like you said, at that point, you twenty, you know, twenty seven yards behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah, yeah my it, man, not to cut you off. Though. No, you're good. And so whenever they're getting pressure and you're getting that far back, and like you said, that spin, because you can do the tight spin or like that wide one, you really end up back there. But I saw it coming. I was hoping I was going to be wrong. The hype was there. I think the stadium environment was everything, you know, you could have asked for. 
And you could even tell Beamer, like, you know, usually Beamer, even when you're down 40 points, Beamer's sitting around and had everybody on the head. In this game, you saw him cussing into the headset. Yeah. Like, he feels this, you know what I'm saying? But, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm, 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 and I think the thing that that I didn't like about it was how early in the game it was. I think it was one of the first couple of drives. And like you said, they cut to him. You would see him on the sideline screaming into the headset. And it's like, you, you kind of got to keep your emotions in check, you know, especially that early in the game when you're only down, you know, seven nothing. Because, um, you know, that's being the head coach, everybody's looking at you. And, and body language, you know, especially in a game like that is a big thing. So, yeah, no, I was about to say, I, I like that observation about you were just, uh, Beamer's mannerisms on the sideline. It looked like he was kind of caught up in the moment, too. Yeah. Hey, what is it, 81,000 or something on hand? This is just show, yeah. and it didn't go well. But uh, definitely did want to hit the stat line for South Carolina. Because you just look at this, oh, and I also have to shout out that Clemson cornerback. I think his name is 23 Anthony Andrew Booth Jr., who had the yep. two interceptions. I'm pretty sure I heard Dabble say uh, that he's probably going to the uh, the draft or not heading into this season, but solid cornerback. Jason threw one of them kind of almost straight to him. He didn't catch yeah. that one, but them other two he got on top of. But if you look at the South Carolina stat line, man, uh, well, I was about to say Zeb first, but Jason Brown definitely started the game. Went eight for 19 for 67 yards and two interceptions. Then Zeb came in, had 11, 11 for 22, which it seems like a lot more than what I remember, for 96 yards. The three-headed monster, our running back, Zaquandre White, only had seven carries for 22 yards. Thought we'd see him a little bit more. Don't know if the Clemson defensive line uh, played that well or they just weren't able – the Carolina offensive line just wouldn't be able to get things going. Kevin Harris, eight carries for 13 yards. Marshawn Lloyd, two carries for three yards. So with that kind of stat line, you know how – you know you – I think, Thomas, I think you listen to the podcast. You know how I say you want a 100-yard receiver, 100-yard rusher, a 200-yard passer, that's the recipe? This is literally yep. <laughs> yeah, so, I, yeah. So I was, I was just about to say that's it, – it's – I was about to say, yeah, it's, it's hard to win games like that when you got running backs, I mean, splitting almost like like equal carries instead of you just having one main guy who can, who can catch a rhythm. Um and you know that that is something I kind of saw in the game. I, I really ain't like the play calling uh, South Carolina had going on. Um, I feel like with in a game like that, you gotta you gotta find something that's working to stick with it. It felt like they were just kind of too all over the place. Like you said, um, White, the leading rusher, only getting uh, seven eight carries. You know, Kevin Harris right behind him, only getting eight carries. Marshawn Lloyd two carries. So it's like you're trying to get the ball to three different running backs and dump it off to you know a couple of different receivers and stuff. So. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I, it wasn't a good showing on offense. Yeah, and I have this thing, and I'm sure you've heard it many times, you know, the big-time players and big-time plays and big-time games, and you just didn't see any big-time players from South Carolina, like, step up in this light for this game. I guess Cam Smith, shout-out Westwood High School, because he yeah, didn't go to Westwood, yeah, right? Westwood probably, come on now. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> but Cam, he had that interception, but it was just – it needed some more guys to step up and play. And then I guess another Blythewood guy, Damani Staley, has really kind of come on for the um, yeah. for a game cocktail. Like that, that middle linebacker position, right? Yeah. Yeah, so he's definitely come on. He, and it's crazy because in high school, he was like a premier edge rusher. He was, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, yeah, I was like, we know, we had to see him in high school. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. He was a little edge rusher in high school. But, you know, at, you know how that D1 lifting and, and diet goes. They'll both you up real quick. Yeah, and he sat behind TJ and um, a guy. What's the guy for the Rams? All right, the Ernest. 
Ernest. Um, oh, yeah, Ernest Jones. Ernest Jones. There you go. He sat behind them, too. So this year, whenever I can't think of the guy's name right now, but 44 for Carolina went down. He kind of stepped in that role and was getting some steam. So that's what we have for the, the week. What do we call the Carolina game? The Palmetto Bowl rivalry? Like, what was yeah, it? Palmetto Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, so Clemson keeps winning it. And I do want to make this point because we are going to keep moving. But I do want to make this point to Clemson fans. So I was looking at the game. You know, Clemson fans like, it's been a down year, man. We're trash. You're nine and three probably going to win the bowl game depending on who you play it's like i get it the standard now is college football playoff or bust but that's not a bad season for a down year you know what i'm saying yeah but i i i think i can kind of see where clemson fans are coming from in a sense of like i think i think like i said that offense was so bad this year yeah and the fact that it's, it's not like it was dj's true freshman year like he played last year and we saw what he was capable like that notre dame game that Notre Dame game last year, I was on play. I'm like, man, it is over with for the next three, four years. Like a true freshman out here in in a prime time game like that, road environment. And he was just out there dealing like he was like a, a you know third, fourth year uh, veteran. But so so to come in his his sophomore year and and, and lay an egg like that all season, I can kind of I can see where Clemson fans are coming from. But like you said, any other um, team would be you know pretty content with a nine and three season. Yeah, and I could only imagine, too, because, like, the Dr. Pepper commercial, and it was just, like, oh, yeah. basically, he was the next guy in line. I feel like a lot of Clemson fans forget about Kelly Bryant, I because I, I know I did. I was thinking, yeah, you know, you got Deshaun, you got Trevor, and then you got, like, wait, Kelly Bryant did play a whole, a whole exactly, year. Exactly, yeah. The guy I mean, got him to the playoff and everything. Yeah, and then he just got replaced. We're going to go off topic here for a quick second. You've seen Kelly Bryant's been trying to uh, work out as a wide receiver? Yep, yeah, yeah. I definitely saw because you know him and Ray Sean used to, to work out back in when he was in high school. Uh, that with the quarter got the same quarterbacks coach and all that. So yeah, I saw that. You you think he'll get a shot? They're saying that teams looked at the film and they were liking it, and so they'll give him at least a tryout and stuff for it. I know that's yeah. a transition, and that's also like at the highest level too. So maybe it'd probably be dope if he could get an opportunity, like a spring league or something, just yeah. to kind of get you acclimated before you go out there against doggone Jalen Ramsey. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. People, people, so people sleep on that so much, Matt. The fact that like that's why a lot of those position changes don't work because you're trying to learn a whole new position, and not just that, you're doing it at the highest level. So you're trying to fit in with guys who've been playing that position all their life. You know, and you're you know trying trying to make that uh, transition over like a summer period, you know, summer long period or something. So, yeah, it, it's tough. That's a tough transition. Yeah, that's a tough one. So we'll definitely watch for that. Like I said, I'm hoping he gets because there's a lot of pro leagues that you got the Canadian Football League or something just to go someplace, get acclimated to it. Because like I said, once you line up against Jalen Ramsey or Tredavious White or whoever else, yeah. it is for real. And it's at the highest level too. So, you know, you always hear, I'm trying to do this, you know, to put food on my table. No, it's for, like this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, guys got a lot of pride in what they do too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. So we're going to move from there. So Clemson wins. I think that's their sixth or seventh in a row. And they were trolling the Gamecocks in the locker room. The USC, USC. So Clemson just keeps doing what they're doing. Let's see what they do next year and what bowl game you go to. We're going to move to the complete SEC with the uh, Iron Bowl, where Alabama gets the win with the final score of 24 to 22 over the Auburn Tigers. I was at work. I ain't going to lie to you for disclosure. I was at work. Our heartbroken after the Ohio State game. We'll get to that in a second. And I saw that Auburn was up 10 to nothing. I think it was what, heading into the fourth one. It was, yeah, I think they were up 10 nothing heading into the fourth, right? I think so. It was if, if it, it was either the fourth or heading into the half. I can't remember. I want to say I might have been heading into the fourth. 
And I was like, what in the world? And now I'm really mad because I'm like, okay, so obviously Bryce Young isn't having a great game. So if he wasn't having a great game, C.J. Stroud goes over and has a flu game and wins the, against Michigan, we had the Heisman Trophy. But like I said, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> what, were you, what were your thoughts on the Iron Bowl? Um, definitely, like you said, when I when I saw that score, because I was, you know, just with all the games going on, kind of in and out uh, watching that one. Um, but when I saw, like you said, Auburn going up 10 nothing heading into the fourth, I had to tune in. So that, that's definitely what I saw the most of was that uh, fourth quarter and, and, you know, all the overtimes. But um, I like uh, I like Bama's resilience in that game. Um, it definitely shows the, 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 the type of coaching they have to where you can be down, basically getting shut out a whole game and then just explode like that in the fourth quarter and, and, and still end up with the win. And, and Auburn had them dead to right uh, at one point late in the fourth quarter. I think they stopped them on a fourth and one with like a minute and 32 minutes left to go. Bama only had two timeouts. So at that point, I thought the game was over with. Um, and then for Bama to come come back, uh, get the ball back and, and go on that 90-something yard drive. Um, and one, that definitely helped out uh, Bryce Young's case for the, for the Heisman at the end of the year. Um, but second, that'll give your team a, a lot of confidence going into the SEC championship and, and the playoff, you know, if they end you up know, making it there. Um, but yeah, so it, it was a good, um, great rivalry game. But yeah, I was, I, I think people were kind of um, trying to say that the, that game concerned them a little bit um, with, you know, Bama being down like that. But if anything, like I said, I, I, I think that's, it, it, it's going to give them confidence going into these next couple of weeks. So yeah, it was definitely a great game. I think that is crazy, the fact, and I think this is a credit, now granted, Auburn and South Carolina are very different types of programs, but it's the fact that in the Iron Bowl, I don't even care if Bo Nix is not even playing in this one. TJ Finley, who was on a whole nother team last season, he's the starting quarterback for this game. They just lost to Auburn, just lost to South Carolina, or whatever. And it's like, even he gets him and obviously the team get ready to go to play against Alabama. And I think that's what South Carolina fans want when they play Clemson. It's like, I don't care how bad of a season. I don't care if we barely beat Vanderbilt. Whenever yeah, show up to play that last week. Yeah, whenever you show up to this Iron Bowl in Columbia, obviously Columbia or Clemson, I want you to show up. I thought that was crazy. This man, TJ Finley, first of all, I did not realize that he was six foot seven. Yeah, yeah, that's a big dude. <laughs> that's a big dude. That's a huge dude. Like, I mean, I don't, how tall is Cam? Like six, seven, six, eight or six, five? Cam? Yeah, Cam, six, six, yeah, like six, six, two, fifty. So this guy is around that size. And I was just, mm-hmm. I was, like I said before, I just was not expecting Auburn to be able to do this, especially with Bo Nix being out for the year, I think with a broken foot. But they competed. And I guess if you're Auburn, Auburn faithful, clearly you want to win the game. But it's like, look, if we're down, like we're down our second string quarterback to just transfer it in and we can hold our own against them, maybe, you know, we have a shot, you know, continue because they're in the SEC. It ain't no way yeah. around. You're going to play LSU. You're going to play Alabama every year. So there's no other way around it. But I do want to ask you this. Is it normal? Because, you know, you know, I feel like I know a little bit about football. But I'm going to ask you, is it normal for your, one of your better receivers to be covering punts? Um, you know, that's that's crazy, Matt. Um, our best receiver at Methodist. Xavier McNeil, shout out my boy Eggs. He was on our kickoff and punt team this year. And Eggs is a four, well, really five-year starter. I was about to say, some, you know, extra co-year, whatever. Five-year yeah. starter. And this was his first year being like a, a, a gunner on kickoff and special teams. So um, I've seen it, 
yeah, that was my first time being like on the same team with somebody in the defense and that. But I have seen it. You definitely don't see it with every program, but I've seen it with some of the the higher tier programs just because I think um, a lot of guys want to have that mindset of like I'll do whatever it takes to you know help my team win uh, type of thing. So I, I, I've seen it a couple of times, but but yeah, definitely not for a lot of teams. Because we see Jamison Williams goes and lays the big hit. Y'all know I've been talking about Jameson Williams every single episode of this podcast this year. It's crazy this man left Ohio State, but he goes down there and gets the targeting call, and that is a major deal. Like, and it okay, yeah. and help me with this. This happened in the first half. So does he have to sit out the first half of this uh SCC championship game, or is he clear since that happened in the first half? Yeah, he's good. If it happened in the second half, he would have had to sit out. Cause you know, I think with the whole adjacent thing, it's like they want you to uh essentially, I mean. I guess they want you to essentially like miss a whole game. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that way, if it was second half, you know, that, that first half of the next game would be like four quarters. So yeah. I guess that's what they're aiming to do with that whole ejection thing. Okay. Yeah. I was wondering, but I, because when I saw him, I'm like, wait, what's he doing out there? This is, this is the Blenikoff Award, potentially the Blenikoff Award winner. They, 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 Drake London is not in it because I get it. He got hurt for us. I do think he, yeah. but I was like, what is going on? But you got to love the effort for your, one of your better receivers to be going out there laying the lumber on somebody. It just so happened that he got kicked out the game. And I think that dramatically impacts it because I think he has, like, more catches of over touchdowns, over 40 yards of, like, the, anybody in the country. So yeah, he got, like, nine or something like that. It's crazy. In an insane amount. And it's funny because I remember last year, I think against Clemson, for because he didn't play that much throughout the regular season. But I remember Clemson, he had the deep ball. So he's a deep ball specialist. That just goes to show you why the transfer portal is great. That brother came over to uh, Alabama. So he ain't go to like Western Kentucky. You know, he went to like a premier program and almost, I guess the county could say he became the uh, number one between him and Meech. Is it Mechie? I think it's Mechie, right? Mechie. Yeah, yeah. Mechie, big day receiving. 13 receptions, 150 yards. Uh, Ja'Cory Brooks, obviously, at the touchdown, number seven. And so, yeah, so Alabama keeps rolling, which drives us right into our next point. These transitions be crazy. But drives us next to our next point. We got Georgia-Alabama SEC championship game in Atlanta. Mercedes-Benz, who you got? Um, who that's tough. That's <laughs> you tough. on the spot there. <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I, I think you got to go with Georgia. Just or. Let me, let me just speak myself. I think I got to go with Georgia just because uh, when you got a defense that stingy, um, it's, it's tough. Like, I know I know they're saying defense when championships is kind of faded away, you know, with, with the way football is these days, which is, you know, kind of like you got to have a high-powered offense to win something. But when you got a defense that stingy, I think Georgia's average, like, they're only giving up like seven points a game. It's insane. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. So. When you got a, you know, not just a good defense, but but a, a dominant defense, I think you got to side with them every time. And then it's it's not like they got scrubs on offense either. Yeah. Um, and then I'm hearing, I, I think Pickens may he might play in, in the game. You heard anything about that? Yeah, yeah, I've been hearing that because I think they said that he potentially could have gotten in against Georgia Tech. So yeah, Georgia Tech. Um, but you know, in in the sense when the guys miss the whole year with ACL, you don't know how big of a is gonna be, but. You know, just 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 off a off a name standpoint, they they definitely got you know the talent on offense as well, um, and I think Bama has shown a, a, a few more holes than we were used to seeing with the team this year. Um, like you know, like we saw Saturday, they can get kind of stagnant on offense, um, which I I guess that's probably the one bad thing Bama didn't want to show 
is that they were getting is that they were capable of getting shut down like that the week before you play the best defense in the in the country. Yeah. Um, and they've had their you know times on defense too where they you know getting a lot of points scored on them. Uh, I know they've been a little weaker in the secondary this past year, so um, it'll definitely be an interesting game. But I I think I got to go with Georgia. I think this Georgia year this year they they build up that defense to win. And I'm trying to figure out is JT Daniels done for the year? Like it, 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 because it seems like beforehand it was more so him than Stetson and him and Stetson. Yeah, and Stetson's kind of just kind of taking a role, and they keep winning. So I don't think nobody's tripping. Yeah, I think, I, and I think that's really what it is. Is like we don't want to mess up, you yeah. know, kind of what we got going. Throw off, you know, in, in anything you got going with the quarterback. That's a, that's a big factor. Um, you know, just the guy who you got running your offense. So yeah, I wouldn't want to mess that up either. And just to think, Stetson was a walk on, had to leave, come back, and I mean, he he's got them rolling in Georgia. You really need. I mean, he's a good quarterback, but you really just need him to kind of play his part, and everybody else take care of yep. himself. Was that okay? I guess we're all way off here at this point. Georgia did beat Georgia Tech in rivalry game. It wasn't even close. But Georgia <laughs> had, I want to say that was a tight end. Did you see him that caught that pass and ran like 60 yards? And he burnt the whole secondary like he was a running back or receiver. I was, is, was he a tight end? They, yeah, he's a tight end, but that didn't, Matt, he's a tight end, but they still got the boy that transferred from LSU, Gilbert, and then that guy who was already there, Zero, I, I can't remember his name, but the guy who's been at Georgia, the big yes. tight end who wears Zero. It was like, this your third string tight end <laughs> out here taking slant to the to the house, taking the slant 70 yards to the house? I was like, yeah, that, yeah that's, that, ain't, that ain't pretty tight. Yo, I seen that, I was like, oh my God. I was like, oh my God, this is, I saw that <laughs> on the channel. This is over. <laughs> I'm hoping uh also did want to mention, and I just had the guy's name. Um from Clemson, Darion Kendrick, matchup to watch. Darion Kendrick versus uh Jameson Williams. I think that'll be a good matchup. It looks like Darion's been holding his own. Granted, the defensive line ain't really giving people too much time to throw the ball anyway, but he's been holding his own. So this is a great matchup. As always, the SEC championship game will be decked out with scouts. But that will be a premier matchup to see what he can do. Can Darion shut him down? Do they each take a couple of their wins? And definitely something to watch. So I don't know the time of that game. I feel like it's usually 3.30 on CBS. Yeah, 4, four o'clock, I think. 4 o'clock. Uh, 4 o'clock. Might have to take the day off. Uh, we're going okay. <laughs> to keep it moving, Thomas. Uh, let's see what we got. Okay, now we got to talk about the real heartbreak. All this other stuff is yes, great. <laughs> but my Buckeyes. This is infuriating me. This is infuriating me. We lost minus score 42-27 for disclosure. I, I was about to say something, but I could not say that on camera. We'll talk about it. <laughs> but because uh, <laughs> that's not going to be good for nothing. I'm trying to do more for. But okay, let the full disclosure here. I had heard about what was that Michigan's D Hutchinson? I had heard about yep. him before. They said he's a pretty good pass rusher. And I'm like, yeah, he's good for Michigan. But whenever he deals with these Ohio State offensive tackles, eh. That brother was a beast. That brother had three sacks. He was in CJ Stroud's, like he was in CJ Stroud's ear the whole entire game. My boy CJ had the flu. I had had the flu or something that week. I had been hearing people saying, like, is CJ gonna be on the bus? I'm like, why would CJ not be on the bus? But apparently mm -hmm. he had the flu this week, lost his voice. Uh, and oh. it was snowing out there. He's a California guy. I was like, oh my gosh. Oh, yeah, that's really what he had. <laughs> yeah, and so like I said. He lost the game, Thomas, before I can get any more into this. What were your thoughts on the game? <laughs> man, man, that game, that game was so loud, man. Just just the 
from the environment to the actual, you know, gameplay between the lines, it was just that, – that was a, a great way to start off that rivalry Saturday. But, man, you could – you could already kind of tell what game was going to be just off the first drive. Michigan yep. came right out and set the tone. Like, a, I think a 10, 11, maybe 12 play drive. Um, just running the ball, pushing the ball down Ohio State's throat. And I'm like, man, this, this is going to be a physical game. And like, so I hope Ohio State came to play because you saw right off the jump what Michigan was on. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was – I mean, that's like – that's exactly what you're looking for in a robbery game. I mean, I'm the, I'm the same way with you with the Hutchinson kid. I didn't know much about him coming into the game, but – it's like every other play on my TV, you heard Gus Johnson scream a Hutchinson's name. I'm like, darn, like, you know, somebody need to get a hand on this kid. But nah, it, it was definitely a great game, especially those last couple uh couple drives you saw. Um I like I, I like the uh couple third and fourth down conversions Ohio State Ohio State had late and that um one of them last couple drives trying to uh, push the ball down the field and get a score. But it was it was just a, a lot of good football between the lines, but I was kind of disappointed to see Ohio State go down because, you know, me being a receiver, I like good, you know, receiver deep matchups. So I wanted to see that that uh, that three-headed monster with, with Wilson, Alave, and, and uh, Smith and Jig. But I wanted to see them, um, you know, go a little further to see at least what they could do in the, in the Big Ten Championship, maybe first round of playoff or something. So I'm a little disappointed I won't get to see see that group anymore. Um but yeah, I mean, you got to take the hat in Michigan. It was a good game. Like I said, they came out punched Ohio State right in the mouth and and, and shoot, earn earn them a spot in that top four. And nah. I'm telling you, they're going to go play in this Big Ten championship game. And you know, looking back at it, I could kind of see how Michigan fell over disrespected because it was like all last season, they're like they didn't want to play us. And then this year, it was almost like Ohio State was kind of thinking, of course we're gonna get through Michigan up because I had thought about this too. Michigan's loss was to Michigan State, if I'm not mistaken, which is a good team. But we yeah. were like, oh, okay, it's Michigan of Michigan, Harbaugh. Yeah, we did. Yeah, thinking that once that loss hit, I'm like, yeah, so we same old Michigan. Yeah, but like I said, I seen the snow. I said, oh no, this this, this cannot be good. Hassan Haskins, <laughs> the running back, 28 carries for 169 yards and five touchdowns. Never good mm. for the home team. Um, I had heard about that quarterback, Cade McNamara. Or how do you say that? Cade. I had yeah. heard about him because he works out with Jordan Palmer. And Jordan was like, yeah, that, that he was like, he feels like that was because, you know, they had been struggling to have their quarterback. They thought they had mm-hmm. Patterson. He wasn't the guy, but uh, Jordan spoke highly about him. So I was like, OK, we'll see what he got. But I mean, he ain't, I mean, he ain't CJ Stroud. CJ Stroud <laughs> didn't have a bad day, but that pressure was getting to, yeah. to a lot of. Um, what's her guy's name at Fox? I listen to him all the time. Quarterback. Well, yeah. Joel Clatton. He said earlier this week, he's like. With CJ, if he gets to sit in that pocket, he'll pick you apart all day. But once you get some pressure on him, he's he is a dual threat guy, but he does it just seems as almost like he doesn't like to run. Mm-hmm. Like so when I saw him run for that touchdown, I was like, oh my God, like CJ Stroud just ran and then got called back for holding. Got called back, yeah. But he went 34 for 49, 394 yards. The boy Travion had himself a decent day, 17 carries, 74 yards, and one touchdown. You see, he was responsible for 21 touchdowns this season. 21? Who, who um, Henderson? Yeah, Travion Henderson. Uh, yeah, he's a true freshman, isn't he? Yeah, he came in yeah. with a lot of hype. He came in with a ton <laughs> yeah. of hype, and he completely fulfilled. I mean, uh, luckily, Master Teague was out, but between him and Maya Williams, they've kind of taken over. But uh, Garrett Wilson, 10 receptions, 119 yards, one touchdown. He'll be a first-rounder. 
Chris Olave, seven for seven catches for 88 yards. It seemed like early in the game, CJ Stroud was kind of hitting guys a little bit behind. It seemed like he had to kind of adjust to maybe the weather mm-hmm. conditions or whatever. But Jackson Smith Majigba, he has really come along this year. Now, granted, this was like one of the highest recruited players <laughs> receivers like <laughs> years ago. So he's no square or anything. But he was the high receptions guy in this game. And yeah, he, and then and then nah, my bad. Go ahead. You good? Go ahead. Oh no! I was just about to say I, I remember he had that game against uh, oh, I can't even remember who they played now, but he had uh, 15 catches I think. Yeah, can't remember who they played that week. Yeah, and it makes me feel like it's like all right. So granted, we're losing Garrett and Chris, but we got him. We got Julian Fleming, Emeka, something. We got all of these first, and then Marvin Harrison's son. Yeah, I was about to say Marvin Harrison. <laughs> yeah, so we're gonna be locked and loaded moving forward. I guess we'll go play in the New Year's Six game. And, uh, you know, we just won't be in the God. And that Big Ten game just went from being must watch TV for me to I don't know. I love that Big Ten championship. I love that Big Ten championship. So, yeah, yeah. We ain't going to talk about Ohio State no more. It is what I got. Hold on, hold on. I, I got to ask you a question real quick, man, before I go on. I got to turn this into Thomas for us real quick. But, um, I was about to say, since you're a Ohio State fan, who you, uh, if you were a GM, who you taking first? Would you would you rather have Garrett Wilson or Olave? Because they both probably going first round. But I'm going Garrett. Garrett is. Freaky. I, I, I say the same thing. That's why I'm, he is such a freaky athlete. My first introduction to Garrett was in the the, um, the college football playoff against Clemson, where he jumped like must have been 48 inches off the ground to catch a pass. So, and he yeah. was like. Who is it? And because see, Chris Olave, I think he can play all positions, but it seems like he likes to play on that outside. And he's a little bit of smaller of a guy. And so he, but Garrett, what'd you say? I can't hear you. No, no, no. Yeah, I was, I was just about to say that's that's the only thing I don't really like about Olave is his size. But like you say, he's he mainly, a, uh, you know, kind of on the outside kind of guy. Yeah. And Olave ain't like a burner. Like, yeah, I, I just feel like Wilson's a, a, a better athlete. Yeah. And you're going to be able to plug him in tomorrow. So many different positions. Like you can put him in the slot, you can put him outside and yep. that freakish athletic athleticism. You really can't teach that. Exactly. That's yeah. And it was I, crazy. I, I feel like with a lobby, he, he kind of, I mean, he, of course he, like you said, he wanted the, the, the top recruits coming out of high school when he was in high school and stuff, been a, one of the better years in Haitian for three years. So you can't deny that, but. When you get to that next level and it's the highest level of football, I did, that's really what's going to separate you is that, you know, why can't you say the athleticism is going to separate you? But like you said, that's the stuff you can't teach. That's really what's going, you know, that that's what separates them guys at the next level. But yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say no, 100%. And I think this is really Mike Williams and uh, Scary Terry in Washington really kind of got it started. But it's like this next brand, because, you know, we haven't had a first-round receiver taken from Iowa State. Like, you know, it's been like a hot minute. So these yeah. are like the next tier guys, and they just kind of keep them rolling as long as they're, they're wide. Brian Hartline is the wide receivers coach. I think he just does a really good job of recruiting them. Obviously, Ohio State recruits himself. And uh, we got a lot of good receivers coming in. So I'm not like, oh, no, this is it. It's like, and then I'm low-key. Shout out C.J. Stroud. I wish they would win the game. But I was thinking if he wins this Heisman this year, it's like, oh man, when you come back next year, like the 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 expectation is like through the roof, even though you'll be dealing with the somewhat new receiving core. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. That yeah, and I was about to say that that might have hurt him, you know, if he had won that Heisman, because it's like this is freshman year, 
you make it that top of the mountain, top of your freshman year, it's almost like it's almost like it's nothing but down here. I mean, you know, if you were to win the national championship, win the Heisman, you're a true freshman season. It's like, you know, what more can you do for the next two seasons? Like at that point, anything else you're gonna do is gonna be negative unless you do that, you know, every single year. So exactly. That's what I was thinking. So I'm like, okay, we still got something to hunt for. We lost to Michigan. And we didn't win the Heisman. So it's like, all right, this offseason will, you know, correct the things up. And it's crazy because going back to it, I remember whenever he went on it, because he's one of he's from California, but him and Quincy Avery are really tight. I don't even know how that works because Quincy Avery is definitely in Atlanta. But anyway, <laughs> I remember whenever they were going on a visit, whenever they were still recruiting CJ, because he was a late developer, Elite 11, kind of was the last guy there. Some people didn't even know how to pronounce his last name. And he ends up like turning into really good. So I remember they were on a visit to Ohio State whenever uh, Justin Fields was a quarterback. And I was like, that's going to be a guy there. And sure enough, the backup quarterback for Ohio State, had, he's from Arizona, he's transferred out. Kyle McCord, who was the quarterback for Marvin Harrison's son, he's the number two guy. And number three is Quinn Ewers, who got some snaps last week. I'm a little early prediction. Kyle or Quinn are transferring in about a year, so I don't. I just don't know who it's gonna be. Is is, is Quinn the the guy who left high school there? Yes. Oh, he got a couple of snaps. Yeah, he got a couple of snaps last week. I want to say, but there's been a thing. I don't know if he's still a high school. Uh, he still has like a high school mindset. But Ryan mm-hmm. Day has spoken a couple of times. It's like his preparation is not where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. And you can just kind of see how Quinn moves because you know I watch all the Elite Elevens and stuff, and he's just like he's super talented. Don't get me wrong, but it's very much like ah, I missed it. Everybody misses a couple of throws. You get that feel, and then for Ryan Day to kind of double down, and be like his not preparation is not where he wants to be. Like at Ohio State, I'm gonna start saying we because you know we're in Ohio State. They have yeah. this thing wherever they have like a black stripe on your helmet, and it's like he still hasn't gotten his off. You could just tell like they're working with some maturity stuff with him. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't blame him. I mean, you they picking up a guy who, I mean, yeah, he's really still supposed to be in high school. Um, so just off, just off, just off being that certain age, that young age of seventeen or, or whatever he is, like he, he just, you know, sometimes you just aren't that mature yet to understand. You got to put in a certain amount of preparation to, you know, to to get what you want out of something. So yeah, he he'll, he'll learn that over time. And especially being the fact that, like, from what I understand, that Ryan Day's offense is really hard to, you know, like, kind of grasp. Because even to Justin a mm-hmm. little bit of time, like, it takes, a, you know, some time. And CJ, meanwhile, sat behind Justin for a year. And so it was, like, a whole, like, different thing. And you see one of that – the school that Quinn Ewers went to, the high school in Texas, is something Catholic. One of their receivers actually come to the University of South Carolina. Oh, really? Yeah, he's a white boy, smooth. Mm-hmm. Ooh, white boy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's coming to uh, the University of South Carolina. Step went out there to Texas and recruited him. So, you know, we'll see what happens with that. We're gonna now we're gonna really move off Ohio State. Might not mention them to next year. Um, <laughs> all right, let me ask you this: Who are your top four teams at this point? Who would you say? My top four teams. I gotta go. I gotta go Georgia. Hmm. See. I gotta go with Georgia. Oh gosh, yeah, I put them in order. That's, I gotta go with Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati, and Alabama. Gotcha. I think that's my top four right now. I mean, Cincinnati, you you can't deny undefeated team. Uh, I can't say regardless of strength of schedule, but I mean they went to Notre Dame and and beat them in South Bend. So I mean that's their that's their one big win they need. I mean. 
at this point, we've been letting Clemson slide with getting one, you know, one little top 25 win a year. So that, that's all Cincinnati needed for me right there. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's my top four is, is Bam at one, Michigan at two, Cincinnati at four. I mean, three and then Bam at four. Gotcha. So, Georgia, I think you said Bam, but Georgia at one is what you said, right? Yeah, Georgia, Georgia, my bad. Georgia at one. Gotcha. Yeah, that's what the AP has ranked. Uh, now, what's really going to be interesting to watch is if, between this Georgia and Alabama thing. Because if Georgia wins this game, does the Alabama now with two losses drop behind Oklahoma State? Do they do that? Wait, do they have a Big 12 championship game now? Because I remember they didn't at WOW, but. Uh, yeah, they do. They do. Yeah, they do now. I think they just, yeah, they just started having it in like, yeah, 2015 or 16, something like that. Yeah, well, it's no, because Oklahoma State sit right there at number five. Maybe we've been a pretty good team this season, though. So it's not like Oklahoma's just going to be able to walk through this. But my thoughts are, look, Georgia take care of business, beats Alabama, then Oklahoma State might slide into that number four spot. But Oklahoma State got their work cut. Have you watched Oklahoma State this year? I really didn't see much of Oklahoma State, honestly. I, I just heard they got a, a real, a pretty good defense. I know they got one of the top defenses in the country. Okay. Yeah, I haven't watched them either, but they got Baylor this week. This is why these conference and championship games are good because they kind of, for the first time, we get to see the guys before they potentially end up making it to the playoffs. Yeah. So we'll get to see um, between that and see how that matches up. My, my top four is about the same as Tom's. I'm just really looking forward to seeing. And then also, if Alabama is able to beat Georgia, how does that I was just going to ask you that. I was just going to ask, did you think – I don't think I don't think they were not – Georgia out of the top four. I mean, that's your first loss coming in the championship game against the number four team. They probably just moved the four. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. So that it kind of would stay how it is now. You would have that, and then you would have oh, that would kind of suck though. Then you would have one versus like you literally see Georgia versus Alabama. Then like two weeks they go do it right back, go run it back. Exactly. And then you would have Michigan versus Cincinnati, which I think that Michigan brand is a very big like you. I feel like Michigan, Ohio State, USC, et cetera, et cetera. Those they got people Ooh, in the north, the south, the uh-huh. Midwest, and everywhere else. So it's good for Michigan to be in the playoff for ratings, so that another demo, not demographic, but another like region kind of taps into it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, you ain't lying. This, Ever since the playoff came about, we really didn't have about the same teams in every year. I think the first years that were really kind of different were just those first couple of years where you had like Oregon and, and Florida State in, in 2014 and stuff. But after that, it hasn't been Bama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame about every year since then. Yeah, when I was at the internship, they were saying it used to be who's in or something like that, but they had to change the slogan because it was the same teams every single year. So, And then we see this expansion thing might be happening soon. But I, overall, maybe not for everybody's specific team, but it's been a really great year for college football. You have teams that aren't usually kind of tapped into it, still kind of be like, do we have a shot? Do we got a shot? Yeah. So uh, we'll see about that. All right, now, good grief, Thomas. We've been going for about 45 minutes. We have not touched <laughs> the coaching carousel. <laughs> but we're out with um, – we're done with the games. How about Lincoln Riley to USC? What are your thoughts? Man, we, we were texting about it a little early, but, man, that, that one move right there, that just puts in perspective of how even at the college level, this football thing is a business. Because, I mean, I told Matt, he was just – on the sidelines with all the Oklahoma guys Saturday night, you know, coaching them up, trying to get a win against, against a rival. And then less than 48 hours later, he hopping off a private jet with a Southern Cal polo on, you know, in California, sunny California. So it's like, you see them coaches don't really, I don't want to say don't really have any loyalty, but 
if, if, if that check is looking good, we see their balance, you know, overnight. So it's, it's definitely a major move. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he kind of uh, tries to get his, his feet set up there out there on the West Coast. Um, I don't think it'll be hard since uh, we see how, how he's done at Oklahoma with, with you know, recruiting quarterbacks and, and just that kind of high-powered offense he has out there. And I think that kind of fits in with just like that West Coast attitude over there. Um, so I think it's it's a decent fit. Um, it'll just yeah, like I you know it, it's just kind of interesting to see those first couple of years how coach does without his recruits. Um, so it'll it, it, those those first couple of years will definitely be interesting to watch. But I don't think it'll be too hard for him to uh, to to pick that program back up, you know, because of the area he's in. Um, and like I said, because of his past track record with Oklahoma and stuff, I think that'll definitely have guys wanting to wanting to flock um, to Southern Cal. So you might see that might see that resurgence happening. You've been waiting to see them since their Atlanta days. Listen to me. I never left those days. I knew it could come back. <laughs> Doggone it! It's about to. I think that couple couple points here. One, this transfer portal changes the ball game because now guys can leave their school this year. Or, and, and and the fact that Spencer Rattler, because I saw this, I was like, okay, Spencer Rattler, which is the former Oklahoma quarterback that got benched, has entered the portal. Who's to say that Caleb Williams doesn't decide to go with Lincoln to, Cal- to California? And now Oklahoma has a serious problem because now they're looking for a head coach and a starting quarterback, you know, burned the bridge with Spencer Rattler. And then now yep. Caleb Williams goes. I also think that because he Lincoln Riley has so many Heisman. Who can say that they have that, like a lot, a lot of Heisman? Not, yeah, because Baker Baker was under him, and then uh, Kyler. Kyler. Yeah, yep. and then even you can see what the difference between Jalen Hurts too. So it's like if you're a quarterback on that West Coast, where we know a lot of West Coast, I mean, a lot of quarterbacks are developed. It's like we can stay in California instead of exactly. going to out east and have the great weather, friends from high school. And uh-huh. and you can be like the starting quarterback at the University of Southern Cal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like uh, that probably did play a lot in his decision was the uh, recruiting aspect of it. Excuse me, because you know I'm sure when he recruits a lot of guys, probably you know from that West Coast area, it's like coming from California to Oklahoma, like like what's in Oklahoma? Like I get you know it's it's good football, but like you know come on now, you gotta have something else to offer. So I know that that probably did play a big part. Like you said, a lot of then the top recruits from the West Coast get to stay home. And I just stay home but get to go to that premier school, you know, in California. Uh, so, yeah, that's 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 big. But like you said, I, um, speaking of the, the Caleb Williams thing, I did see a lot of people on, on, on Twitter and just different social media sites saying they think – like I saw some people saying it was like 100% a lot that Williams is, is following Lincoln Riley to USC. So I, I definitely be, I wouldn't be surprised. The only thing – um, that I think could throw that off is I think you, doesn't USC already have uh, – I can't remember the kid's name. I think it's like Jackson Dart or something like that. But I think he was one of the top quarterbacks coming out of last year's high school class. So I know if William does come, it's, it's going to be a competition off the rip because they uh, they already got like a set starter out there. So Yeah, you had his name right, Jackson Dart. Yeah, he is out there. Yeah. And I'm sure like we're all thinking like, okay, he'll come in and Caleb will come in. He's like, wait a minute. Like, there's a certain <laughs> confidence that's associated with that quarterback position. Like, you're not just about to yeah. walk up in here, and I'm already a highly talented guy. You know what I'm saying? I was, right, I was thinking that same. I'm like, man, that is that is nothing but trouble right there. You got two, two. I mean, that's essentially what we saw this past season at Oklahoma. Yeah. Williams and Rattler. I mean, Rattler doing bad. You in the crowd, chant, We want Caleb. We want Caleb. 
And then usually at the end of the season, it then came full circle. Caleb's having a bad game, fans here, and we won't rap, and we won't rap. So, yeah, like you said, there's a lot of pride that come with that, with that quarterback spot. Yeah. So, man, oh, man. And, and then, so, what else? There was something else that was one of the major points. Yeah, and in Oklahoma. All the um, recruit. Oh, yeah, go yeah. ahead. They've had, like, three, uh, four, or five stars decommit. And so, you know, right now, if I'm the Clemsons, if I'm the uh, Georgias, I'm hitting these guys hard, like, Oh yeah. Out of here, bro. I'm staying over here. And then, but I think too, it was it'd been rumored that Rinkin Lincoln Riley didn't really like the move to the SEC. He wasn't yeah, really I with, saw that. Yeah, he wasn't really with Oklahoma going to the SEC. And so it's like now he gets to go to the Pac 12 where you're gonna have to play Utah, you know, Oregon every year. But it's like who wants to because I feel like everybody is just assuming that Oklahoma's going to the West. Yeah, like we just, we're just assuming that they're going to the SEC West, and so the thoughts are: who wants to play Auburn? Who is six and six and can almost beat Alabama, Alabama, LSU, Ole Miss, depending on what Lane Kiffin does every single year. Texas A&M. <laughs> and and A&M is a very good program, and I just forgot about them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's like the teams in the SEC we consider like middle of the pack, lower tier, would go to any other conference to dominate, like. You know what? Maybe A and M. If I'm Jimbo, like y'all want to go back to the <laughs> to the big. I'm telling you, go back to the big, <laughs> big twelve. Yeah, you ain't lying. Yeah, so there's a lot. Like I said, a lot of uh, players deciding to leave or not leave. They're decommitting and open back up their recruitment and stuff. So it's going a lot. I feel like a lot of fireworks about to happen. Did you see that Stoops is coming back to coach the as the interim for the um for the what is it for the playoff? Not the playoff game, but for the bowl game. Bob suit? Yeah, the one from the C College Football Fox. What? How is he coming back in the middle of the season? You cannot write this stuff. Yes, he is uh Bob. Well, not the one from Kentucky, but you know the one from College Football Fox. Yeah, he is coming back to coach the bowl game. The last time he coached at Oklahoma. I don't know. I don't know. I can't tell you. But I, that that booth, like, in, with your analyst or whatever, it's just like a placeholder position until, like, yeah. you go back. You know, he's going to – it's official. It's happening. That's crazy. Yeah, you ain't like – because we saw the same thing with Urban. Urban was on TV till we got that call. You right about it. Well, they need me, so I'm going to go ahead and get back. So, yeah, so that's going on right now in Oklahoma. So, a lot of pots are stirred. I need Brent Venables at Oklahoma. He would be, I saw the tweet. I don't even be posting stuff on the Matt Sports out. First of all, actually, let me rewind that back. My team doesn't even be posting stuff on the Matt Sports <laughs> house. <laughs> but I saw that and I said, get it up there. Get it up there. That that would be great. As we know, the reason that Oklahoma, uh, Brent Venables left Oklahoma was because they were trying to make him the co-defensive coordinator with Mark Stoops. I think it was Mark Stoops, one of Stoops' brothers. And he was like, nah, Dabo Sweeney. Somehow it was like, and this is crazy to me, that Dabo was like, like, you think of the Big 12, you think you do not think defense. And he says, you know what? Know. Yeah. That's the guy I want to be our coordinator at Clemson. And clearly it's worked out. We know Clemson defense never really, like, you ain't gonna have too many problems with them. They're real disciplined. Some of my guys mm-hmm. play linebacker at uh, Clemson. And they were telling me, like, it is a very, like, he likes his drills done a certain way. He runs a tight ship on that defense. And We've seen success. So what do you think about Brent Venables to lead Oklahoma back – to lead Oklahoma into the SEC? You think that would be a good move? I definitely uh, – a good – yeah, I, I, I think it would be a good move. Um, 
I would be interested to see that transition. It's, it's just always interesting to me to see a guy's transition from a coordinator or assistant to, to being that head guy, having that whole program at George. Um, but I think it'd be a good move because, I mean, Venables has got the pedigree for it. He, he's been in enough big games to where I don't think the SEC, like the lights, you know, would be too bright for him. Um, at that point, you just got to wonder about, like, recruiting and stuff. Will he be able to recruit against the, the Alabamas and LSUs, Georgia, Florida, the world? Once you come to that SEC, um, I mean, but like you said, as far as X's and O's, we know Venable is up there with the best of them. Um, so yeah, I, I would want to. I, I think I want to see that move, him going to Oklahoma and and, and moving to the SEC. That just that's that's a that's a good headline. I like that. Yeah, they he had kept saying he was waiting on the right school, the right moment. I'm sure they're in conversations in uh seeing if it'll happen. One of his sons, I think, is done with football already leaving because he has two, I think it's Tyler and Jake. I met mm-hmm. him at Clemson whenever he used to be a little John. Uh Tyler's a safety, I want to say, but Jake, I think he like tore his hamstring like eight or nine times. So I think he's just stepping away. Gee. I was like, Good oh, grief. <laughs> yeah. Hey, and oh, and just real quick about this whole Lincoln Riley thing. I and me and Thomas talked about this earlier. Um, I think another reason, like, if I'm an Oklahoma fan, I'm really mad is we just lost our rivalry game to Oklahoma State, and this has been in the works. And so it's like, not only did we lose the game, but you were planning to take your behind <laughs> to the West Coast. And so we out here, got, like, they've already, or you have already had like trader signs and stuff in Oklahoma. And I don't think Riley's played. Like, I really don't care. I gave y'all some highs. Yeah. In the hills. Like, y'all can have this. Like, y'all can have this Oklahoma stuff. But, yeah, I, I think that that was also kind of a thing. It's like, we just lost the game after it. And I'm going to insert it right now, what he said about LSU. Lincoln, are you shocked that you've gotten this far without anybody asking you about all the rumors this week? I'm just – I'm just saying I'm going to I'm gonna ask you about it, so I might as well. Um, I mean – it's nonstop. I mean, it's it's every day. Hold up, hold up, hold up, Gary. I'm not going to be the next head coach at LSU. Can and I ask you next question? So y'all hear what he said about LSU? Saying basically saying like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to LSU. And it's like literally the next day. It all you always leads you to think he was like, I'm not leaving to go to LSU. And he picks up the phone. Y'all saw how I did that. I didn't lie. I told the half truth. And so he's out there. So crazy, crazy stuff happening this week in college football. Thomas, I knew it. Like I said, I saw this going on. I said, there is no better person to talk to all this college football stuff than with Thomas, because I'm sure you have your own opinions. Oh, yeah. You know, you know, like I, I got to tell you before we got on. I was watching the game Saturday. I'm like, man, I hope that stays me talking about come on the show. And I said, man, there's so much to talk about. Yeah. And then the last two things, last two things we're going to talk about here real quickly. We'll just kind of go over this Billy Napier thing real quick. Billy Napier heading to Florida. He comes from the University of Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns, I think the name of it is, right? Yeah, Raging Cajuns, yeah. Yeah, uh, I remember Billy Napier. Well, first of all, you think he's 20. I have it on the count. I think he has been 21, either 21 and 2 or 26 and 2 in the past two seasons at the university, yeah, 21 and two, the past few years at University of Louisiana. I remember him from Clemson. Dabo fired him in 2010, Taj Boys, like first year when they lost the Music City Bowl to like University of South Florida. And they fired him, I think he went to Alabama, then he went to University of Louisiana. And so he sat under Dabo Sweeney for a minute and he sat under uh, Nick Saban. So now he gets the job at the mm. University of Florida. 
So that's crazy. And once again, it's just crazy that uh, uh, Florida's head coach, Dan Mullen, was literally just last year in the SEC championship game, and now he's out. Yeah, I, as, yeah, I knew that. I knew his name sounded familiar. I, see, I didn't know he was under that one. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think I think that's a good move. Um, I was about to say, I, I got to kind of, I was a little more in tune with, with Louisiana than I, I expected myself to be because of, you know, my friend, because Rayshon's brother plays for Georgia State. Um, and, you know, Georgia State's in the summer with Louisiana. Um, so they played him or whatever. So I got to, um, I got to see a lot of them last year. And actually, uh, I don't know, you might even know the guy, might not know who I'm talking about, but the rookie running back for the 49ers, uh, Elijah Mitchell, he came from Louisiana um, last year. So, yeah, I saw, I saw him developing that program last year. And I'm like, man, like, I, I think they almost went undefeated this last year. I think they lost one late in the year or whatever. But, yeah, I saw that. And I'm just like, man, Louisiana's on the up and up. That's, you know, already kind of a lower-level D1 school. But that's just – I'm like, man, the fact that they were undefeated, I was wondering, like, I wonder who's running that program over there. So, yeah, that's – I think that's a good move by Florida. But it'll be interesting to see, you know, kind of like I said with, with Venables, if he can carry that over to – the best conference in football, you know, in college football, competing with those blue bloods like, you know, Bama and Auburn and LSU. So, yeah, that, that's that's a good move, but it'll be interesting to see how he fans out. You made me think of this. Do you think it's harder to go from a, a head coach at a smaller Division One school to a bigger one or an offensive or defensive coordinator at a major school to head coach at a major school? Wait, so you said – what was the first one? Yeah, do you think it's like, okay, so just what he did, he goes from University of Louisiana, uh, the Raging Calhouns, to Florida. He's already a head yeah. coach. Do you think it's easier to do that, or do you think it's easier to go from, like, Clemson defensive coordinator to head coach at, like, another powerhouse? Because hmm. they're both transitions. I think uh, – oh, that's a good question. Because, I mean, on one end, it's like even if you're coming from a lower school, it's like you're still the head coach, so it's still your team. You still, you know, know how to, like, operate that, that, that whole team. Whereas it's like you coming from a coordinator, you're more so responsible for a small group. Now you got to learn how to run, you know, learn how to coach 70-something guys as a whole. Um, but, I mean, if you're, if you're a coordinator, you know, if you go from Clemson D coordinator to Clemson's head coach, it's not like you're dealing with like a, a a skill level change or anything like that. Mm. I, f I feel like it'd be easier to go from coordinator at a big school to head coach at a big school with a head coach at a small school, the head coach at a big school. Cause you did, oh, oh my God, that's a tough question. Oh, <laughs> that's a good question right there, that's tough. That is tough. But yeah, if I had to give you a short answer, I, I, I think it's probably easier. Oh man, I got I gotta flip it. I think it's I think it'd be easier going from a head coach at Louisiana to head coach at Florida rather than D coordinator at Florida to head coach at Florida. Yeah, because I'm thinking it's like, okay, I, I have my systems in place here. It's like, okay, we got to take it to the next level. We have a bigger budget. A lot of those recruits that we probably wanted, saw, maybe even saw early. It's like now we have access. It's like beforehand, you call the guy, you get the voicemail. Nowadays you call exactly. me, hey, coach, how you doing? So that's yeah, that's what I'm yeah, that's what I'm thinking. It might be a little easier. Yeah. And, and then I also think one thing I know Brent Venables will probably struggle with a little bit is he's a hands-on defensive coordinator. Like, he's so hands-on. I don't know always speeds, dude, but, like, he likes to run, like, the scout team quarterback for 
yeah. of the opposing team that week. He's, I mean, like, you know, Clemson yeah. got some pretty doggone good quarterbacks. And it's like, no, no, I like backup quarterbacks. They're like, nope, I'm running a scout team. Uh, so yeah. I think that's going to be adjustment because, like they say, like, once you become the head guy, you're more like a CEO to an extent, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, exactly. But, yeah, so that is going on. Y'all, that was completely on the spot. We did not plan for that question. So I <laughs> started <laughs> coming there. Last but not least, Thomas, we appreciate you staying on. Uh, David Cutcliffe. Oh, you, know, you, know, you know, I can do this for hours. David is out as Duke. They decided to, you know, mutually part ways. It's an end of an era there. I think Duke, I remember whenever they were having that great year and they lost to Florida State in the ACC championship game. But it seems like he had been there a while. He helped develop Daniel Jones. Uh, but I guess his time just came to a conclusion over there at uh, at uh, Duke. Yeah. Um, you know, like like you said, they had that one bright spot in 2013. Uh it's kind of a tough break going up against one of the probably one of the best college teams you know ever assembled. Yeah, all them first round picks they had on that uh, team. But yeah, I, I think um, I think it's about time for a change at Duke. Uh, I think programs like that. I mean, Cook, like you said, Cook Cook was there for so long, but they never really won anything. I think sometimes programs like that are kind of just like happy to be in it. Like the win at the bottom, you know, we're just happy to be in it. Um, so I mean, it'll it'll be interesting to see if Duke can get a guy in there who will actually, you know, try to try to build that that football program up. Because I mean, everybody knows Duke, you know, as a basketball school or whatever. Um, but I mean, they are in one of their premier conferences in football in the ACC. Um, so I, I I would like to see that that program get a little boost. Um, but yeah, that was interesting to see him go after such a long time. It kind kind of makes you wonder, like, why now? Like, why why did they decide to pull the plug now? Um, so, yeah. And I will say that, uh, Cutcliffe is an instrumental, like, he's really big with the developing quarterback space. Even Eli and Peyton, Peyton towards, throughout their careers would go down there with him, wherever they would meet up at and get some work in, because he's a really good uh, quarterback developer. I'm sure he's spent some time with Arch Manning already. already. Now, one thing that is probably a little bit different, though, is this is a different game than Eli and Peyton was playing, you know, now as a dual mm-hmm. great guy. Uh, so, you know, second thought, they might send them down there to Quincy out there at Jordan. But, uh, yeah, that's all we have prepared for y'all. Thomas, this has been everything that I was expecting it to be and more. <laughs> we always uh, appreciate you coming on. And that is all that we have for this week. Um, Thomas, if I can have to run this back next week after the conference championship, I ain't going to lie to you. Man, you know I'm down. You know I'm always with it. Hey, for sure, for sure. So that's all we have for this week's episode. Y'all, uh, make sure I need to start saying this more. Make sure that y'all follow the Instagram account at Matt Sports House. It's two S's, Wendy and the Matt. So, the one's beginning at Sports House. Uh, follow, a lot, lot of content coming, and uh, see y'all next time. Peace. I gotta keep this flavor here. Ah, that boy Steezy. It's on the Mexico Ram, nigga, better year. That you and I'm bopping, they call you barbarian. All I see is stars fly, bitch, out from Maryland. Money on filing, I'm sipping out of styrofoam. Cooking up dough, got more fish than an aquarium.